Thank you for joining us. This is Chris Emke. And Justin Tyson. What a crazy week, Justin. Uh, we, you know, we always start these podcasts talking about, you know, a week at Calibrated Power Duramax Tuner, which uh, is, of course, our normal nine to five. And then our, our Fridays from four to five in the afternoon, we do this, right? <laughs> Dude, always has been like this. When I was at tuning, it was like this. It's just yeah. how it is, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, this week has been a little different because Paul's been out half of the week. Uh, he's been skating, doing some vacation days, so good for him. And he leaves you with this crazy project that you and Nick and, well, I guess Paul helped somewhat in uh, with a new yeah. video series over at Duramax Tuner. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I don't know if you guys have probably caught on, but uh, we're doing a five-part series uh, on essentially towing with newer trucks that are tuned. So uh, 2020, the 2020 uh, L5P, the 2019 Cummins Dually, and the uh, – 2020 rap or i'm sorry the 2020 tremor that timmy has the uh, power stroke which is yep. i'm not gonna lie a very nice truck <laughs> there are, i mean you look at all the trucks right and we think about you know in the era of 2020 because even the 19 dually 1920s they're going to be the same for the ram but you look at what a 2020 offers as interior packaging and exterior design and they've come so far over the last 20 years and a lot to be said about, you know, what's packed underneath the hoods of these trucks. We're talking all three trucks tuned in a sport tune under a vigorous workload. Each truck is making over 500 rear wheel horsepower. And uh, it's just, it's crazy to see these trucks baseline in the 400s. They're making over 500. Some are eclipsing closer to the 600 horse mark. And it's just it's just insane to see the engineering, the technology around the cooling system, the turbocharging system, keeping exhaust gas temps in check, coolant temps in check when under those significant workloads. We're not necessarily saying that these trucks are safe to utilize in a day in day out scenario with that type of power under those types of conditions. But I think this video series is going to be really cool to kind of show, you know, the the true potential of what each platform can offer oh for sure it's a really good series uh it's getting good uh reviews so far and it's it's interesting to hear the guys takes on uh essentially paul and nick's take on how they feel about each platform so uh yeah be on the lookout we still got the uh duramax uh 2020 alpha ip coming out and then we have the power stroke and then a wrap-up of which one they kind of picked the they like the most and the cummins came out yesterday so yeah so the best one came out yesterday, you're saying? <laughs> yes, the one that uh, – the Chris Emke's favorite, the 2019 Cummins Dually. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Speaking of Cummins, one of the crazy things that happened last weekend was Sean Baca over at Industrial Injection uh, had his truck on a dyno um, over at the uh, On the Edge, uh, one of Edge's events, and the truck – blew up and was engulfed in flames and it was all over Facebook, all over Instagram. It was like meme heaven regarding this truck. And originally we were trying to get uh, Cody Polium, who was the dyno operator or Baca on the show today. Uh, but with lack of uh, being able to schedule and just the time frame's not really working, we weren't able to do that today. Um, and Justin, correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like that is like a little bit of a teaser because that's going to be what next week's episode is going to be, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So I talked to Cody today. He's uh, about ready to do another dyno event somewhere near Utah and Las Vegas. 
Um, and uh, we were going to have him on, but unfortunately, we were having some technical difficulties. So uh, we are currently going to be, you know, throwing at you a rebroadcast of our 5.9 liter history of. But uh, yeah, expect to see Cody on next week. And uh, he's going to have a lot of stories. And as you guys know, Cody is uh, was the operator for when Baca's truck had an issue. And he was the DPC 2018 winner. And the 2019 competitor, uh, unfortunately, his truck had some transmission issues that year, I believe. So, uh, but yeah, we're going to have Cody on next week. Oh, I'm excited, man. That's going to be a good interview. I can't wait. For sure. So other, other things that happened last weekend, uh, WC Fab, Jason Worley had his 10th anniversary sled pull. Uh, talk about a crazy turnout. Uh, we had a couple guys from Calibrated Power Duramax Tuner. Um, actually, the owner, Nick Pregnance and Tim Mahoney, uh, they ended up making it to that event and uh, actually pulling our white 06 Dodge there. Nice. Yeah, you guys, that was so, that would have been the second time this year, right? Because we got to do that uh, benefit one at the uh, McHenry County. Yeah, you know, uh, Timmy, uh, Timmy, Timmy's like the end-all be-all when it comes to stuff. He's really hard on equipment. Last year, me and him traded off sled pulling with that truck. And, uh, you know, basically, uh, I was uh, I was always very fortunate to bring the truck back in one piece, not broken, and brought home uh, – I brought home a lot of wins. And uh, Timmy had a couple wins as well. He also brought back a couple of uh, second, third places and some broken parts along the way. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. It's always nerve-wracking when – you know, when, when we were sled pulling last year and there were one to two pulls every weekend, you know, you were dialed in, you were tuned in, you knew what the truck was going to do. You just had to duplicate the process, right? Mm -hmm. It's been a year, right? It's been a year since the truck has been on the track. You know, you kind of have to get back in tune with the vehicle and we just simply haven't had a lot of, of testing and time under our belt or Tim or more specifically. So we haven't had the best outcome this year. Um, I'm helping make some excuses for him here, but, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, everyone that listens to this, everyone has their own take on what 2020 is 2020, I think has definitely hurt a lot of the sled pull scene with the County fairs and what have you. So hopefully 2021 shapes up and we're able to get the truck out more, but, uh, you know, for Jason, you know, for a 10th year anniversary and to have, you know, an appreciation poll, more or less, of how far WC Fab has come in the 10 years in the industry. They offer some of the best components in the market. Uh, they offer a lot of cool different builds, and they touch on a lot of different applications for different trucks. Um, it was really cool to see. There were guys traveling halfway across the country to attend this poll. Um, so it just, you know, goes to show that there's a lot of, you know, valued customers, dealers, and people that just, you know, look at WC Fab and are thankful for what they bring to the diesel industry. Yeah, for sure. It's always good to see big, big turnouts for Jason. They're, they're a class act, the boys at Worley, and um, their mm-hmm. products are top-of-the-line products. So it's good to see them get yep. a little turnout there. One of the other sponsors of that event is also a sponsor of our podcast, and that was Exergy Performance. Um, Exergy does a lot of stuff with Whirly on their crazy, you know, high horsepower builds and, you know, different injector pump setups and what have you. And one of their new products that they had on display there, and they're going to start promoting more is their fuel additives. And they actually have, it looks like two different versions. They have a winter blend for the guys over, you know, where we're located here in the Midwest, you can never go wrong with the winter blend fuel. And then they have a summer blend to, uh, uh, you know, get the most, 
efficiency out of your engine and help with uh, lubrication of the injectors. Nice. I was going to say, Chris, are you going to get some for your truck? But I'm pretty sure you don't drive it in the winter. <laughs> no, I have my I have my TDI though. Um, but I actually reached out to the guys this past week. I have uh, ordered a couple of bottles, um, and I am going to run them. I would like to see what it operates like and 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 you know get that firsthand experience because I get guys every day that call in, even in the summer months, more specifically in the fall months, going into winter, and they ask about what do I recommend for um, you know uh, additive you know, recommendations and how do they get their trucks to not, you know, gel and things like that. And I've always used the can response of, well, I don't run it in my truck, so I'm not going to recommend it to you. Um, and Exergy has never steered me in, in an incorrect direction with all of the builds I've done over the years and all my personal trucks. So I'm, I'm going to take a note out of their book. I'm going to try it out. I'm going to get some firsthand experience and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be sure to share those experiences on the podcast along with other end users that call into the shop that uh, I have the luxury of talking to on the phone. That's awesome. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's good to see stuff like that. Like Randy and all them over there, they're, they're amazing at what they do and they're professionals and they yep. expect the best. And uh, it's interesting to see this product. And I, I'm really interested to see how it works for like you. And I've already heard really good reviews from a few yeah. people. So this should be yeah, interesting. No, I mean, you get the components from them. There's a consistency there. And that's what I always try to, um, you know, discuss or talk about with the customer when they're looking at getting injector upgrades and pump upgrades. And it, you know, it just makes sense that, you know, hopefully the product, you know, I have some experience where I, you know, have that real world hands on and I can uh, express, you know, what I've experienced to others too. So, you know, just kind of, you know, back and support, you know, uh, you know, what, what you do on the day to day, I guess the best way to put it. Um, but you had mentioned something earlier today's episode, we're doing a rebroadcast and you mentioned this is a year to the date that we did this, uh, recording. Is that correct? Yep. It's been about a year and it's one of our most popular, uh, episodes. And it's because it's the greatest motor of all time. And that's the history of the <laughs> five, nine Cummins. See, it's you and you and Paul. It's funny. Paul would say it's because he's on the podcast. You, you, because it's the engine. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, Paul. Paul thinks a lot about himself. I'll just let that be what it is. Let's roll to this re recording. Let's dive in. Uh, we got the history of the five point nine liter Cummins. Right off the top, people are going to ask why why we didn't just do history of the Cummins. There's too many RPOs and too many differences and. I think the five nine is a is a show worthy all on its own, and we'll go into the six seven some other time. One hundred percent agree. Yeah, uh, just one wholeheartedly as I dove in to start doing the research on this, like like I know Cummins, you know I've I've been around Cummins yeah. for seven years, ten years, something like that. Like I'm pretty familiar with them. I've I've worked on a lot of Cummins trucks, uh, but man, I just I don't deal with any of the older shit. Yeah. Like if it's pre common rail, I don't care. Yeah. Um, and even so when we got so into the VP cultured. stuff that we tuned, yeah. I really wasn't heavily involved in that market. You know, I didn't I didn't do a lot there. So you're not cultured, you're saying. <laughs> right. That's anytime I see a big C and and wintergreen uh chewing gum, I always know I found culture. Yeah. No, I that that is that is a side of the diesel industry that you are not, you know, very familiar with. Uh yeah, yeah. And and, and I'm learning because over the years I know that that's also a big part of the group of people that I've met that I think are Probably some of the most fun to be hey, around. Man, you know what? I think a lot of times when you talk to guys, uh, the 12-valve Cummins, the 7.3 Power Stroke, these are entry-level platforms that, you know, guys that are seasoned in this industry now, that's where they started. Yeah. 
you know, and I mean, even newer guys, younger kids now that, you know, maybe I, I wasn't fortunate enough to be in a family where, you know, you go get a, a newer truck purchased for you. You know, when I when I turned 18, my, my first truck was a 12 valve that I bought, you know, for a deal off of Craigslist. And then, you know, you could afford to modify slowly over time. And that grew into, you know, uh, you know what I do now. So, All right. you know, it's, uh, it's an affordable way to kind of get into the industry and, and learn the ins and outs. So, I mean, I've, I've always said I understood the power potential out of some of these older trucks. And, and if you're going to do like a, a real raw budget build, like we've talked to guys yeah, like Tyler Kipp, who like, you're gonna you know, have really pitched it mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's hard to beat. And I guess I've always understood that. Um, I didn't understand the massive amount of progression that this staple has gone through because I do think of Cummins as a staple and the 5.9 it liter is. specifically this led the industry in so many ways for so long I mean if you look you know not not to dive in too too deep here but if you pick up a diesel power magazine back in you know 2008 to 2012 any of the big hitters it was mechanical injection yeah. I would say 2011, 2012, you know, 2010, 2012, that's when, you know, the common rail stuff started to kind of, you know, come into its own. Well, common rail injection on some platforms has been out for eight, 10 years already. Sure. You know? But uh, and even to this day, there are still improvements that are being made in the mechanical injection arena. Um, you know, all some of the top sled pull trucks in, in the country still run, you know, a mechanical injection setup. Yes, it's dated. OK, but it works. Yeah, yeah, and and I think we're we'll, we're going to get into yeah, that. We'll so we're we're going to talk all about it. Um, yeah. So this is this is a truck that's run from 160 to 325 horsepower over the years. 18 years, the 5.9 liter was in production. Approximately, I know there's some variation on that. Um, it's been put in Ram pickups, commercial vehicles, tractors, industrial equipment. Um, it's just they, they've used this everywhere. They just had a thing Cummins not long ago that they produced their millionth motor. Yeah, I I, I don't doubt it because I actually have that spec somewhere as we get into to some of the year breakdowns yeah. here. Um, you know they've seen they, they've seen changes all the way through the truck. I mean fuel system, turbo, trans, fucking intercooling, electric electronic control. Uh, these are things that generally we see. Not just a small RPO change, but like total redesigns, and this but is something the, but that they still stayed five point nine liters. They, they've stayed five nine. They've stayed i six. They've there's so many things that they've yep. done what they could to keep the same, yep. uh, and that's something that I think is a huge shout out. So Chris, I'll let you kick it off. These things launched in eighty nine. The first year I think or first batch ran from eighty nine to ninety three. What do you know? Uh, you know, started off at 160 horsepower. Um, what's really unique about these is, you know, the first gen Dodge. Um, very simple. So in 89 to 91, early 91, they offered a non-intercooled, uh, so, you know, turbocharger. Then there was this elbow that went across the motor right into the intake plenum. Um, 160 horsepower, uh, three-speed automatic, or you can get a get-reg five-speed manual trans. Those are your two options. Um, was a proud owner of one of those a while back. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, you get you get 55 mile an hour, 60 mile an hour out on the freeway and wind out 2,800 RPM. <laughs> and, uh, you know, then you're doing a governor spring and a fuel pin in the injection pump. So what's really unique is it had a rotary-style mechanical injection pump. Very, very simple, very extremely fuel efficient, reliable. They don't make any power. Right. Okay? They, just, they, they really don't. Um What's also unique is even though it was a non-intercooled uh, motor, the, uh, the the trucks would actually baseline at around 180 horsepower, maybe even tad more, tad less. So they were rated for a certain horsepower, but they made more. Um, the injectors in the 90, 
89, 90, and early 91, they were actually bigger than the uh, Big Brother, which was the 91 and a half, 92, 93, where you actually get a little smaller of an injector, a little bit bigger of a turbocharger, um, you get an intercooler, and then you actually get a three-speed with overdrive called an A518, which was a non-lockup overdrive-style transmission. Um, very simple, very basic. The engine itself had gasket, you know, head block, injection, uh, connecting rods, things like that. All that stayed the same. Things to look out for, you know, the killer dowel pin, which was very common with all the 12 elves, which we'll get into with the, with the second-gen style as well. Um, but it was a simple truck. You know, they are very dated. They're very nostalgic. I think they hold a lot of, you know, uh, value or there's a respect for them in the, in the industry as a whole. You go to a show and you see one of these trucks, you know, they're definitely pretty cool to look at. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, these were these these were competitive, too, at the time. I mean, you got to remember, like, we look back now in 2019 and say, oh, it only had 160. Maybe, right. maybe ooh, it made 180, which is, I think, the last time a manufacturer rounded that way on their their horsepower ratings right but um uh at the time that was a lot that that was that was competing against a a non-turbocharged 6.2 yeah i mean you gotta think about you know in 89 when these rolled out you were talking about non-turbocharger turbocharged 6.2 you're talking about idi 6.9s and idi 7.3s turbocharged power strokes didn't come out until 94 um you know and we're talking you know 160 horsepower i believe it's 360 feet pound of torque something along those lines um you know so i mean they were you get in one of those trucks you get behind the wheel the truck doesn't get out of its own way and it's got enough torque to pull down a fucking house yeah simple as that and with a couple minor modifications you can pick up a you know 80 100 horsepower with with a screwdriver essentially it'll run a little warm you know maybe some other upgrades need to happen there but i mean shit i remember my first one man i bought that truck with like three hundred fifty thousand miles yeah and i got rid of it with four hundred and fifty thousand miles <laughs> and i had it a couple of years drove the piss out of it and that thing never never an issue maybe leaked a little out of the rear main typical you know sure. cummins fashion sure sure if, if it, the cummins doesn't leak anything man it's not broken in yet so uh, <laughs> you know but they're and parts are very, very, very inexpensive for them, which I think in the aftermarket you'll learn as a lot of guys get into these trucks, you know, injectors are inexpensive, turbochargers, things like that. You can, you can, you know, upgrade them relatively, you know, inexpensively. Yeah. So really, really cool. I'm thinking about it now, I kind of, I kind of miss mine. Well, well, we'll hold off before you jump into one of those piles of crap, because uh, in '94 they they totally revolutionized diesel performance, yeah, they did. and and it wasn't just OEM diesel performance. They released technology that we still use today in the top tiers of diesel competition, and I'm talking, of course, about the the famed the 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 absolute pinnacle of uh high pressure pumps and that's the p7100 yeah. the p pump dun 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 um i remember so back in the day going through one of these uh diesel world magazines there was a beautiful first gen that was just redone right and yeah. i was just getting into this i remember reading the magazine and they were like oh p pump conversion you know to get more power i'm like i'm gonna p pump mine i don't even know what the fuck a p pump was <laughs> <laughs> you know and, uh, it's funny you say that chris a p pump w- was was revolutionary for so many reasons one <clears throat> I don't want to say it's a mini engine because it doesn't have internal combustion, but outside of that, it's a mini rotating assembly. It, it has a cam. It has it, pistons for the plungers. That's like. right. So so each plunger fuels one injector at a time. That yep. 
that's completely different than what anybody else had ever done in fuel injection. I mean, this is, when I say this is revolutionary, I mean, it really was revolution. It really was something nobody else had done. And it was almost an overcompensation from that rotary VE pump Absolutely. you had referenced in that early Completely one. night and day. Um, where it had one plunger running six injectors. This, this is just the best definition of overkill I've ever seen from a, an engineering team. Uh, and, and it is, it, it's, what I thought was really, really interesting is that this 52-pound rotary um, or rotation assembly unit is actually emissions-driven. Yeah, I mean, did you do you know this? It's a vacuum that goes into the system, and there's actually the whole the whole reason they designed it, the whole reason it was ever invented, wasn't necessarily the problem with more power. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even increasing horsepower and torque at all. It's about efficiency. It, it was about efficiency. It's about running higher pressure, uh, fuel pressure, to meet emission standards that were coming out in 94. So when we talk about emissions, uh, I, I just want to remind everybody that this has been something this industry has dealt with since its inception. Well, I think the thing, too, that a lot of guys don't really you know think about or, or even understand, there are actually 12 valves that were produced with EGRs. Yeah, absolutely so, correct. That, that's a thing. Absolutely correct. Um, so, so I just I thought that was like a really interesting thing to kind of know about that. Uh, these models in '94, '98, they they did have a lot of the same components as Chris had mentioned earlier. Um, from '94 to '90, or I'm sorry, okay, um, just a lot of the actual mechanical internals were, were identical. Those, those things did not change through the, the 12 yeah. out motor it's, itself. Exactly. Uh, however, they did see new injectors. They went up about 200 psi. They went from 20, 245 bar to 260 bar. That's the pop off of the injection pump itself. Absolutely correct. Uh, got a revised camshaft. Got revised pistons. Um, also due to emission standards. Uh, so those got, or I'm sorry, still all cast aluminum. Revised fuel bowl uh, to increase swirl or atomization. Uh, so I think fuel bowl and spray pattern are something we talk about a lot now in common rail injection. I didn't realize this was even something they were addressing in 12 valves when I dove into this. Uh, and they also did this thing where they, they narrowed the, the ring land on the top of the ring uh, for emission standards. Didn't know that. Uh, Waste-gated turbo. I didn't realize. I thought I thought 12 valves just ran HX35s. Okay. Uh, again, call me ignorant. Um, You're ignorant. <laughs> Th- thanks, Chris. Um, they, they, these initially, in 94, they came out with the WH1C, the same turbo as, as the previous models, but they were but a tighter 12-centimeter housing and waste-gated. Absolutely. So they went from an 18-centimeter housing to a, to a 12-centimeter housing. That's a huge jump. Well, I think the thing, too, when you talk about the first gen, you know, they ran very loose housings, but they were non-gated. Right. And the idea was to- It, it wouldn't it peak out. Exactly. exactly, yeah. So now, technology, right? Go figure technology and, and emission standards and things like that here it is tightening the housing putting a wastegate into the system to alleviate back pressure so you don't overspeed the turbocharger turbo technology is not driven by horsepower demand it's driven by emission standards so when we get better turbos in the market it's because of emission standards uh i, I just again thought that was like something i didn't know uh in 95 they finally swapped over to the whole set hx35 it's a wastegated 12 centimeter uh housing uh, I have a bunch more details on it, but nobody will care. So this is an extremely reliable charger. Uh, even at double the factory set PSI, uh, which is 20, so even when you take it up to 40, it's considered one of the most reliable chargers ever put on a diesel truck. Uh, so these things kick ass, man. I mean, they got a larger intercooler, a new body style in 94. Um I, I also didn't realize this. Now, the first five years the, the Cummins was out, it was number one in torque okay. uh, for, for the big three. 
but the ratings changed not only dramatically throughout the few years that this 94 to 98 was produced. It went from 160 all the way up to 215, uh, but they <laughs> they split hairs at this point in, the, in in our world where it's even between the manual and the automatic. It's right. like it's rated at 160 for an auto, 175 for an for a manual. I just want to know, knowing what a 12-valve is and how, how power and control, it's not like this is an electronic calibration. So does that mean the guy at the factory like, just does half a less turn on the set screw? Well, I think you know there's a, a lot to be said about the internal workings of the pump itself. When we were talking about the pumps, we are talking about the cams and things like that. Those all have something to do with it. Um, now, I didn't find anything saying that if you have a manual transmission 12-valve and 95, you're your cam or your p7100 was any different than if you had an auto i just couldn't find where they the, set the difference the power output is based off of the pump so when you talk a 9495 the pump reference is oh you have the 160 pump okay or you have the 175 pump the 180 pump the 215 pump okay so there there's all of these things that come into play in the aftermarket the most desired is like the 180 pump so like when why you wanna, not the 215 uh i believe it has like a variable timing or variable geometry to the cam or to the to the pump itself okay and they get a little finicky at like the higher rpms or something along those lines don't quote me on that but there is something along i those think lines in the future happening. i would like to loop back and do a history of the p7100 yeah. and take it from when it first came out all the way up to today of what are the high performance trucks that it's on yeah. in 2019 i think that would be a really cool that one future episode coming near you done um okay so these these ran some different options with transmissions as well NV4500, I believe, across the board was offered. Oh, exactly. Okay. Uh, and then the 47RH in 94.95. And then the 47RE, 96 to 98, that's the new four-speed four auto. 47RH, hated? I don't say it. I wouldn't say it's hated. It's more or less like technology. You know, it's a, it's a mechanical lockup 47. Okay. The RH, where the 48 or 47RE is a... Is a is a electronic lockup. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's just again as time progressed, the, the housings and everything and internals are very similar, all the way from the Torque Flight 727 three-speed in '89, as the A518 four uh, four gear no lockup. Then you get into the 47RH, a mechanical lockup, 47RE electronic lockup. The housing, the casing, the internals are all very similar. When you buy rebuild kits, they'll have A518. Slash forty seven RH. Gotcha. 47. So there's okay. a lot of a lot of crossover yep, there. Yep. And the, the uh, seven um, the, the the torque flight, the original three speed, that would be the same trans that you would find in like an old Hemi back in the day. Right. So a lot of a lot of crossover that Rams done over the years. So to the guys that are running a forty seven RE, forty eight RE, forty seven RH, A five eighteen. You're dealing with an old muscle car trans, man. It really is a car trans. It yeah, a hundred percent agree. Um, Okay, now now this is something else I thought was maybe not unique. I, I think we know of this, especially from the Duramax background uh, for me, and I know when we were doing the Ford research, we saw this as well, uh, about transition years. So in 97, in preparation for the 24 valve that's coming out in the ISB, um, they started they started shifting some of the like basic bolt-on bullshit and also some of the like actual bolts and things like that. Uh, that went on these trucks. So, like, you got 12-millimeter bolts to secure the main caps versus the 14-millimeter bolts they previously used. Um, all late model 12 valves were equipped with the same 
uh, or I'm sorry, were equipped with smaller diameter fasteners. So like, it, it's it's just these little things like this that they started doing in preparation, knowing that two and a half years from now, or because they have to start at the beginning of '97, so they're like two and a half years from now, we're going to switch to something else. Start making the transition now, and, and we saw that kind of across the board. There was a bunch of little ancillary bullshit that they did to, to get ready for the 24 valve that was coming out. Um, Killer dowel pin, man, the KDP, everything I read everywhere that says, like, if you read 12 valve, you better know about the KDP. Yeah, you just, so it, it's real. It's a, it's a little steel sleeve, right, that goes yep. into the front cover that goes into the block. And those from vibration over time, they'll back out. And then the front of the, the, the front cover, right, the front timing uh, arena, if you will, of a motor of a Cummins isn't by a chain, it's by gears. Right. And that sleeve would get caught in the gears and it'll catastrophic. Catastrophic. That's what everybody said. And they're like, listen, we get it's a lot of time. We get it's a lot of work. But uh, if you plan on doing anything but competition with the truck, get in and do this. Oh, and by the way, if you plan on doing competition, you're going to do this. Yep. So, like, it, it's just, it, it's one of those things, man. Uh, but then in 98 and a half, they come out with a set of unique technology that, that nobody else in the diesel world ever adopted. Yeah. So what's really weird about the 98.5 to 02 trucks, and I think back in the day there was a lot of flack for these, um, they go to a different style injection pump. So they go to what's called a VP44 from Bosch, which, by the way, the VE pump, the P7100, the VP44, they're all Bosch injection pumps. All, yep. Okay. So it's a half mechanical, half electronic rotary style pump so it goes back to that single plunger style you know if you were to think about it from a technical from a technical standpoint um, but it has its own computer or brain box so it has like uh, it has a control system on top of the injection pump that controls the pump in, in as far as timing goes injection pressure things like that I, I would comparatively say maybe like Atari level technology yes. Yes. Right. So um, some of the misses there. Um, so the same platform, second gen Dodge, you still have the same 47RE transmission. Uh, you go from, you know, a 205 horsepower to a 235 horsepower output, depending on if it was standard output or high output, uh, manual versus automatic, you know, those same configurations hold. Um, but what they do is, is they go, so in the 12 valve world, you have a lift pump that can supply around like 40 PSI-ish, I believe, of supply pressure. Right. Then they go to this this electronic rotary style pump, and then they put a lift pump on there, and that lift pump was generally burning out, causing the pumps to fail. Well, unlike the P7100 pump that's oil-cooled, the VP44 is liquid-cooled, so it's cooled by the fuel that it produces, okay, that it runs through the system. So what you would find is, is these pumps would prematurely fail due to the pump itself or the motor or the computer itself getting hot and failing. Yeah. So uh, technology there, but I feel like this is the first time where now you're getting into an arena of the Duramax world, okay? Um, six liters weren't really a thing. They were still 7.3, so I, I feel like the Cummins was superior power-wise to a 7.3, yeah. but now the Duramaxes are coming out. Hot rod motherfucking trucks. Well, you just think about this. So 98.5 to 01, yep. they're, they're still leading. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, well, in a lot of categories. Let's say 2,000. Yeah, 2,000, right? right? 98.5 to 2,000. So, so they got a year and a half where they're, they're leading with this technology. And, and if you think back across the board, what everybody else is having problems with, Ford 7.3s don't have this problem. Um, any of the IDI stuff doesn't really have this problem, but the, the GM six, five 
how to cool off electronics, did you just say PMD? Like right. massive issues. I, I think with just technology, automotive technology in general of figuring out, hey, we have these awesome electronics. Look at these awesome things that they're going to do for the cars. Yep. And then all of a sudden going, but, oh, shit, in the real world, this only yeah. kind of works. So, I mean, And then and, they figured it out. Yep. And I think, like, you know, again, it's, it's, a, it's a segue into the – uh, technology advancements that we see today. Yeah. But I mean, a 24 valve is every bit mechanical. You still have a mechanical injection, an inject, injector itself that has a certain pop off that it would open and close under due to the pressure that the injection pump offers. The injection pump doesn't very, uh, doesn't more or less play very nicely with the ECM. So there would be codes that the injection pump would throw that the ECM wouldn't monitor that if you put your scan tool up to it, Chrysler Diagnostics will show, but Cummins Diagnostics won't really show. So, you know, the 98 and a half to 02, as much as they are simple to a novice guy, you know, as far as diagnostics are concerned, they could be a little bit more on the, you know, headache side. Well, let me ask this. Side. Just, just all personal nostalgia aside, from, from a completely logical standpoint, yeah. if I'm looking at getting into diesel trucks for the performance aspect, would I look at a late model 12 valve or an early common rail or a VP? Uh, I mean, again, cutting, so, okay, price is out there, simplicity is out there, and the ability to, you're doing all the work yourself, okay? Coming from someone who's been fortunate enough to work on all three, yeah. um, the first question I would ask is, what kind of power are you after? If you're looking at making, you know, 500 wheel horsepower, we know that there's going to be a trans involved regardless on any platform. All of them. The common rail is going to be the one to beat. However, when you have to replace injectors, they're a little more expensive. Sure. Okay? The VP stuff, that's kind of where I would go right off the bat because the pump to replace, very simple. My navigation skills around that motor is is, is very pure and, and crisp. Right. Okay. Um, but only only because of the cost factor of the replacement of the injectors and the pump. See, I would it, think if you were just doing straight up just on the logic of, of a, a new person coming to it, I think it'd be hard pressed not to say look for a twelve valve if you're not going to get raped on it. Well, I mean, that's the problem now, with the twelve valve. Now, that, now, now is, let's is the, flip side that the the retail price on buying the truck has gone gone the, crazy. The big problem that I don't like about the twelve valve truck is I hate working around the injection pump. I am not a fan because just getting into there and into the where the bolts and crevices of getting the injection yeah. pump out. Okay, that's been something that I just didn't like. Otherwise, truck is very 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 simple. Very minimal components are needed to make the power. Okay, yeah. again, that's just a preference, but. We're talking about a truck that this day and age, right now, I could go buy a fucking common rail. I know, for the price of a truck valve. For the cost. One of the guys yeah. at work here just sent me a link. I'm in the process. I'm looking for a winter beater, okay? And he sends me this beautiful 12 valve. Beautiful, beautiful 12 valve. Gray, sport front bumper. It's been redone. You know, nice truck. 15 grand. <laughs> I just got tagged in a post the other day on an 03 common rail crew long manual for 4500 bucks. Wasn't your boy Hager just looking at an LLY for for 10 grand yeah. that has like a, a good list of modifications? I mean, I'll tell you what, I have been out of the game of buying and selling vehicles for a little bit. It's been it's been about 2 years yeah. for me and it's just the the one thing that still holds true is is the second gen Dodges hold their value, but we're seeing all this, all these uh, technology-friendly vehicles, right? The common rail injection, if you will. Yeah. Those those vehicles are starting to come down in price, even excuse me, even more so. But I think it's just because of the cost of repairs. You know, I think that that plays a big role. Well, I think there's there's a certain amount of collector nostalgia there around is. the twelve valve, as opposed to that the the people who will be able to afford nostalgia in, in a vehicle 
haven't hit that that market yet. I think I think five ten years from now, guys will be going out buying up the early common rails because it, it will have been oh that was my first truck. No, and I mean right you know, like that very, very much so. I mean I think you know again as we stress and talk about oh well you know the com or the uh, the the twelve valve is the entry level diesel. Yeah. Well, to a lot of the listeners here, I mean you and I sound dated now. <laughs> because the common rail is kind of that. So, you know, it, it's a preference thing. But I, I would say, you know, looking back at, like, my father or you look back on your father or, you know, we talked to, like, Nick and, you know, his dad, they're very big in, like, muscle cars and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. You know, the, that, that 12 valve or that, that 7.3, I mean, that kind of holds in the diesel arena of respect. You see one of those trucks that are done up or even a factory-style, you know, restoration. Sure. You respect that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but it's also how old of a vehicle. That's what that that's what you grew up around, that kind of thing. Right, right. But, yeah, no, I would say as far as the 98-02 trucks, um, towards the end of on, end of their rope, uh, 235 horsepower for the high outputs, 0102. Uh, they also went from an NV4500 off- offering to an NV5600 offering, so a six-speed manual. Um, that happened mid-2000, 2001. Not not very well received, from my understanding, on um, that. I mean, I think the big thing is, is you know, uh, to a to a, a hardcore tower, maybe they would respect it a little more. But a lot of the mixed perception there is people thought that they got a, a, a different final drive. Yeah. Uh, one to five in an NV45 and one to six in an NV56 are the same final drives. Right. They you got cut, a granny gear. They cut the fourth gear. Okay. No, they cut the fourth uh, gear and uh, split it. <laughs> so it's just more shifting going on. You still have the same granny gear one and one. So, right. um, you know, you have that going on. But uh, I would say, you know, uh, at the end of the, the, the second gen VP44, you know, life, they were out horsepowered. Okay. They were out torqued yeah. compared to some of the competitors out in the space. They were dated as far as interior is concerned. Um, the transmissions, unfortunately, were subpar at absolute best. Right. Um, and that that brought us into the new arena of common rail injection. That's it, man. I will give I will give Cummins this, and this is kind of I think the the takeaway I took of of looking at their the history of the these engines. Um, they know when to adapt. Yeah. They they know when they have to make a change. Well, Ford held on to to terrible terrible ideas for for much too for, long, for, far agree. too long. And, um, and, and Duramax they also made bad bad decisions to keep up with the competition. Yeah, exactly. And and, and Duramax has put so much time into comfort that sometimes they miss the mark when it comes to performance. Yeah, I mean, I would have to say that the Duramax lineup were the staple in hot rod diesels, in my opinion. Um, you know, and for years, I mean, I remember years ago, my, my dad's buddy had a horse farm and every couple of years he would buy a new Duramax and he had an LOI that he just couldn't get rid of. And then an LBZ that was so much better than the LOI. And I remember I used to, they had a three acre parcel and I used to maintain their, their land okay, mm-hmm. and cut their grass once a week. And I remember talking to the guy, a gentleman's name was Frank, and you go, hey, Frank, you know, how's the truck running? Oh, man, you stand on that. Oh, spin the fucking tires, man. I'll tow my trailer. You know, that that's <laughs> that's what you thought about. And the same thing with, like, the six liters. Like, a six liter four, they were kind of like a hot rod. Yeah. You know, they, they, they offered multi-purpose, you know, feeling as far as power torque output. Um, but 03 comes around, and, and you got to think about this, guys. In the Cummins lineup or in any of these RPOs, this isn't a motor that they just, in 02, were like, hey, we're going to come up with a common rail injection. No, this was something that was practiced for years prior. They did all their research. They were in development for a long time. And they come out with a high injection pressure, you know, 23,000 PSI of injection pressure, common rail, electronic injector, uh, CP3 pump, you know, all the badass technology that 
you know, the Duramax is already kind of brought into the mix. So you get a Bosch CP3, Bosch yep. injectors, common rail, high pressure, the whole nine yards. Um, turbocharger, you go to an HE341, uh, so very similar to an HX35, believe it or not. Um, the packaging's a little different, but the wheel sizing, you go to a 58 or a 59 millimeter, something along those lines. Yeah, 58, um, 58, 9. 58, 58, 9. And, uh, you know, nine for the nine centimeter exhaust housing, a mechanical wastegate setup. You go to a bigger intercooler yet again. Yep. Okay, so the cooling is is more in depth and more more improved. And it's almost like every iteration Cummins has ever done, they've added air. Add more air or the ability to flow air. Right. Um, transmission wise, some of the trucks have a forty seven, some of them have a forty eight. A little bit more improved, but honestly, man, I mean, that's just that. That this is where Dodge, I feel, has always missed its mark is in the transmission arena. Badass I, motor. I literally, I literally read in one of the articles. Um, God, and I wish I could remember what it was. It was probably from Mike McLaughlin. Uh, said the forty-eight auto transmission, not as well liked as the forty-seven RE. And this is something I feel like every single year they've released a transmission. Mm-hmm. People are like, man, I really like that old one better. Yeah. I thought everybody hated the old one. Like, I just, I noticed it all the way through. Every time I read an article about one of them, they were like, oh, but we hate this new trans. And you're like, but I thought everybody hated the last trans. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy to see how, you know, as time progressed or, you know, I just, I don't know what rant, what Dodge at the time was thinking when you have, you have GM with this badass Allison trans. And I mean, totally, totally different technology in the trans yeah, too. It, exactly. it's, it's a way different it shifts, the way it operates. And then you have Ford. I mean, to all the Ford owners out there, I mean, come on, man. You had a 4R100 or a 5R110, man. You never had really much to worry about on the trans. I mean, right. there was a select few that would have problems. Guys, don't give me flack for saying that. But Ford's always had a very dominant trans. I can GM's beat anyth- always had a dominant yeah, trans. I can beat anything hard enough to break it, but that yeah. doesn't mean it's normal for it to break. Exactly. Um, a 48 or a 47, you could legit drive the truck off the showroom floor and it would shit the bed. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, they were soft. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, now now we broke up 03 and 05 from 06 and 07. After doing the research, Chris, I don't think we needed to. There was so few changes. I mean, um, 06, 07, we're still – and well, I didn't mean to jump you out, no, no, cut let, you out let, there. Let's but, cut back, though, because it wasn't yeah. just 06, 07. 03, 04, it was 305 horsepower output. Then they go to a high output in 04 and a half through 2007. Right, 325 horsepower yeah. and 600 feet pound of torque. They actually just dropped HO from, from the from nomenclature. They just nothing. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's all it's it, all the it same is what output. It is. Right, correct. But there were some changes, ECM things like that. Yeah, so right. We got there. Right. So okay. So so there's definitely an ECM change. It's all still common rail. Um, 05, they updated the turbo to an HE351, which is the same size as a 341 yeah. internally. Just, uh, it's just electronic wastegate instead of mechanical wastegate. Um, it's all electronic solenoid injectors. They did add a third uh, injection event to reduce emissions. Right, right. 143-degree uh, spray angle. What's also weird, not to jump in, Please. so when you look at the Duramax, 04 and a half is when the production year took place that every engine that rolled off the showroom floor had an exhaust gas recirculation system, an EGR. Right. Okay? Um, Ford, 04, six, or 03, 6 liter came out, 03 and a half. EGR was introduced. Right. Cummins, we're talking 06, 07, they did not have an EGR on the motor. They did not have an external EGR. Right. But um, now that's, again, technology. What happened internally? Right. So so internally, they found ways to to reuse the inert gas. From the cam. Right. So, so it, it's, when we talk about deletes, when we talk about EGRs, when we talk about, oh, this emission standard, that emission standard, there's been good, there's been bad. Um but but we continuously see 
it driving the industry. Yep. Uh, before this, production years would sit for for ten years, eight years at a time, with with literally no updates, no changes. There is no reason for them to do it. Uh, and now we're seeing that some of these standards do actually push improvements. We're yep. getting turbos that spool up faster, make higher peak horsepower numbers. We're using the air that comes through the turbo more efficiently. We're adding intercooling. We're getting better pistons. We're getting better cams. We're getting better injectors. We're, we're, we're learning efficiency. We're getting better fuel mileage for more horsepower. Um, there's been a lot of things that have driven throughout the years, uh, even in the 5.9 liter, that I think most people, if you were to ask, would say 5.9s don't have emissions equipment. Right. Well, uh, again, to certain to certain degrees they're not wrong however technology and there were advancements of again the cam some of the 12 valves like we talked about earlier in this podcast had egrs right if it was california emission but let's talk about oh 1989 through 2007 essentially carrying the same displaced motor yeah right yeah yeah, it's the longest run it's the longest run of any and anybody for for diesel um I think to say impressive probably takes away from it, right? Because because it, it it's something that they've they've done so well for so long, and, and with the new six sevens, which we'll be most likely doing next week, uh, you're going to see that they may have changed the displacement, but it's it's still a fucking Cummins man. They kept so many things the same. Well, what's really cool is I mean everything's interchangeable. Like you know, look at all the motors guys that are out there now: six two liter Cummins, six four liter Cummins, and you have the six seven, you have the five nine. These are all interchangeable parts that allow these quote-unquote displacements to take place so, yeah you know even though the displacement changed a lot of the components you know didn't yeah you know it's again simplistic the cummins i feel is one of the more popular platforms because of the simplicity of the power plant itself and it holds true with you know this episode and in the future episode with the six seven i feel Absolutely. Uh, before we take off for today, I wanted to cite some of our sources. Just give credit where credit was due. We found so many awesome resources to, to research this topic. Uh, so I'll run through them here at Cummins.com. Uh, I just found Cummins-RAM history. Uh, great little bio there. It's only a couple paragraphs. DYEAutos.com had a good article uh, on the Dodge Ram Cummins 5.9 liter, 6.7 liter diesel engine specs. That was from Scott back in uh, January of 2017. I picked up a driving line article called Cummins History. Uh, I read lessons. Uh, I, I read all of them. Uh, there, there's a bunch of lesson one, lesson two, lesson three. I, I read all of them. Uh, they're all by Mike McLaughlin. They were published January of 2019. That's a really recent oh, one. Uh, I've used Mike in, as quite a few resources here. Yeah. Uh, so I, I very often read his articles. Uh, CumminsHub.com, one of my favorite places to go. Uh, I checked out 6BT, 6BT Cummins Turbo Diesel and uh, Diesel Dodge Diesel Guide. And then, of course, I, I circle back to a Truck Trend article originally published, I believe, through Diesel Power Magazine. Uh, that was Cummins Diesel Motor, a diesel tech uh, piece put together by Chris Wilkinson in February of 2007. So thanks for all the help, guys. Uh, we really appreciate uh, being able to find resources. We've gotten some pretty good feedback in these last couple of histories. Uh, we are going to continue to push to do more and more informational podcasts. I like the idea of breaking down the P7100. I'd love to do just a, a hardcore piece on turbocharging. Yeah, I think, you know, the technology of the turbochargers and, you know, just talking about, you know, what 
we've talked about it before in prior podcasts, but how a turbocharger comes into its spool, how the turbocharger comes into its full boost curve, drivability of that turbocharger is essentially where the spool comes from, yeah. and how, you know, over the years, a lot of times guys say, you know, more is better, but no, less is more sometimes, and I think... You know, a full podcast on that and talking about exhaust ba- uh, exhaust gas, uh, exhaust housing aspect ratios, turbine wheel profile, compressor wheel profile, and how they all come together would make a lot of sense. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited. Uh, guys, for this week, we are getting ready for some local diesel drags coming up in the next week or so. So if you are in the northern Illinois, southern Wisconsin area, you want to come out and see some of the company trucks running down the drag strip, we'd be happy to see you out in Byron at the dragway. Uh, for today, man, this has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Hemke. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.